0: The background is we were having discussions after all of the episodes and realized that we were making some really good points. Uh,
1: (laughs) Connecting some dots that just you and I were hearing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so like, hey, let's uh, record some of these. So uh, at least a semi-regular feature, if not a regular feature, will be some of these analyses depending on how good, I guess, they turn out to be. Welcome to a bonus analysis and discussion episode with the hosts of the Path Distilled podcast. In these episodes, we talk about the guest that we just had on, how it connects to the guests we've had in the past and give our take on what you've heard like to story it was like fascinating
1: <laughs> uh, yeah i'm going to have to try it cuz i've i've shifted to that too actually in the past few years of really liking like more of like a plant-based diet right and like uh not to fall into that train of like don't have processed foods but surely like having like getting real ingredients and so i'm gonna have to try it too
0: he could have been uh two separate paths um he had enough packed in that we could have unpacked it further
1: but sure uh, i love how it kind of got back right to his roots though with his you know upbringing and and cooking and all that um the one thing that stood there was a couple of things that stood out to me. One of them was he used the word serendipitous, like and lucky, a couple of times, you know. And I think that that's a repeated theme that's come up, right? That people certainly, I'm, he's not relying on that, right? He made that clear, but that there is this thread to some people's stories and a perspective that there are some things that happen, however they happen, <laughs> for whatever reason they happen. That you, uh, you get to capitalize on, which I know we've talked about before. Yeah,
0: and so noticing that theme, and then the uh, repeated failure theme, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I was glad that he was willing to share those difficulties because, like he pointed out, a lot of people think that. Um, well, two things he mentioned that a lot of people failed to realize that it could happen or would happen, and then um, he kind of almost like the. Um, Gordon Dominic from Ripe and Run mentioned, look at this and see if you really want to put in the work on the front end, like think yeah. about it on the front end.
1: Yeah, well, if, it's, if it's something you want to pursue, because I think that, you know, in my experience with entrepreneurs and, and startup founders, I've kind of gotten a sense of two different breeds, right? The, the one that is like him, that finds something that they can truly be passionate about, which has its pros and cons. Um, And then others that are like churning through these ideas, right? Because they're more, it seems enamored with the, the startup mentality and the pace and that type of thing. Right. And so they're coming up with an idea and running after that one and coming up with an idea and running after that one. Um, And so it seemed like, he, he kept he kept referring to his family as really like the, the key behind it, that if he was gonna invest this time and effort and be taken away from his family and have to deal with these ups and downs, that it needed to be something that was useful and also then tied into an impact he could make that was worthwhile.
0: Sure, yeah, I, I noticed that as well. I think the, uh, I like the, they wanted a message or at least a purpose to be behind, uh, sounded like at least most of what he attempted to do I was, I meant to ask him, I think he had a little bit of wanderlust. He traveled a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was cool that part of it, right? Like, and even after they had their kids, you know, he was traveling a lot. And um, I, you're, you're, I forgot that too. I was going to ask if they, obviously pre-COVID, but if his business now, you know, keeps him traveling or whether that's something that he continues to do or now was has moved kind of away from.
0: I guess we'll have to invite every guest we have ever had on (laughs) and cut to come back so we can uh
1: a huge large questions we didn't i liked what he was talking about too with you know the different generations there's been a lot of discussion about that um in the past few years you know that now is the time where there's kind of a clash of generations in the workforce more so than there ever was before and that because of how, what was going on in society as they were growing up, there, there are true differences in how they are and what perspective they have and what things they're trying to pursue and why they're trying to pursue those things. So I found that really interesting piece of what he was talking through also, you know, being a, his upbringing from his parents being from the boomer generation and him, like you and I, kind of straddling the, the two different uh, generations as well.
0: Sure. And I don't know if you received that message from your family, but I had almost from either my parents or grandparents or both at different times, I had that message. It was still the model that you don't see that much anymore. Go to one place, work for 35 or 40 years, get the benefits or the pension and whatever the case may be and then retire. And as he pointed out, this it's rare to, even if one wanted, wanted to do that, it's hard to find that anymore
1: it's hard to find that and you know i think he's right that it was it's more of what what's coming to mind is kind of like the safety model right like get into a job get your salary go into a job that's going to you know be something that you could do for that long a period of time Um, and i think there are less of those types of jobs out there Um, and more other types of jobs that are kind of evolving it's interesting when I think about my parents, my dad was like that. So he was like, you know, go into business, go into law, go into, you know, like kind of that approach, like go into one of those things because you can find success and stability in that way. And my mom was very different, was much more, um, I'll call it kind of what he called it, optimistic. I think she was more like what it sounds like his parents were, like more, more open to the idea of, you know, figuring out what you want to do and working really hard for it
0: and I was thinking as you're speaking now and I was thinking when he was talking about it, you know, just knowing, I guess I would know if I went to a program to get my MBA, but (laughs) it's just all those, the sub maybe not even subtle details, but those details on moving the business forward uh, are fascinating to me. I think, um, as he said, you learn them and then you actually apply them to the real world, and they may or may not work. But I just, uh, I'm fascinated by all of that. Not oh, really. And I,
1: I already use a pilot analogy for my students that I still teach, and I will definitely be using the version of it he told tonight today. Um, that I love that idea, you know, of uh, mm. the way he kind of framed it, right? Of like that you're you're training for challenge, not just to be able to kind of show what yeah. you know. It reminds me of, uh, I think it was Hatano in in Inagaki, I can't remember the year, talked about the difference between uh, routine expertise and adaptive expertise type of field. I remember that
0: article.
1: Right? And so, you know, your routine expert is the one that has to basically do the same thing over and over again at a very high level. And then your adaptive expert is the one that has to be able to shift, move, grow, evolve, change, not know what's happening and figure it out. And, you know, that's a, that's the entrepreneur's life, right, is to, is to do be able to do that. So I'm, I'm in no way putting down accounting, but I'm trying to think of, like, what's the opposite of that in the sure. business world, maybe accounting, where it's like you've got to know, certainly there's things that are changing, but you've got to be really good at accounting or sales or whatever side of it you're in, right? Um, and as an entrepreneur, you've got to be good at so many different things and so much is always moving and changing and you're having to respond and adapt that I think it's a different a different skill set in a way that you're having to prepare yourself for which school doesn't gives you a good foundation. But then there's this whole world you have to experience out there. Right. And he, he was reminding me of um, kind of the, the ad, people who advocate for s- the idea of situated learning right, for fields like that, where you're not just learning, you're not just learning the information, but you're learning it in, in reference to the context you're going to have to apply it in.
0: Even, uh, and I, I agree with all of that, and I liked the, uh, we called it challenge training or something, um, mm-hmm. or training for the challenge, but yeah, I forgot about that point he made about if you're falling out of the air, upside down with your craft on fire, you need to know how to handle it, and uh, I think that I probably just blinked on. Oh, I did not blink. The uh, <laughs> I knew there was a point that I was bringing up. The uh, I've grown to love classes where there's something tangible, more than just an exam mm-hmm. uh, in the class because for that reason. And I know we're not a, you know, the argument is you're not a trade school, but I think anything that can be a that the students can touch or be applicable is so much more. Gives them If they can experience that in the classroom, whether it be even a case study where they all work as a team to solve a problem for a company or implement a new product, even if it's hypothetical, all of these things do that. And at least in the initial stages of it, they're getting a, you know, what could go wrong and it's not as uh, cutthroat as actually launching a product, but it's one of the early steps they can take to get that, what it feels like and what you have to think through. To do something I mean, that, like that. that
1: was my whole dissertation, if you remember, right? Like advocating for more of a case-based approach in my field yep. because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's a, a great article that I'm, I don't remember the author's name, it's terrible, but uh, a great article was written several years ago in one of the sports psych journals, um, after a, a student trainee had done some work in the field, you know, working with athletes, uh, the the article, the title, the title of the article is beautiful. It's uh, thrown to the wolves because that's what it feels like, right? Like you learn all this stuff in this safe classroom, and then you get out there, and you've got this real client or group of clients in front of you, and it's like, right? So, like, what do what do I actually do here? <laughs> um, and, you know, that's why we have supervision and mentoring and all that stuff as part of our requirements for our certification. But um, it's, you know, so you have someone that's that's in, you know, been doing it for a long time, kind of coaching you through it. But still, you know, you've got to take that, that knowledge and bring it to bear in the real world. And that's that's easier said than done. And so I think, you know, it strikes me all the different pieces of his story, right? Like he had this military background that obviously gave him, you know, certain mindset and skills and, and all that stuff. And then he's got, you know, he had the MBA, he's got world travel, you know, all these little pieces to, you know, background, you know, in family, in, with his family and cooking and all these like little pieces that probably set him up, you know, well, but then he also made a really good point about, um, you know, just the finances piece of it and the, the, you know, in terms of ha- not just the business, but having a family and the school loans and all that stuff. And I don't remember the, the name of the, I don't remember exactly what my mom was just telling me about, but she was talking to me about how she was just reading something that um, was talking about that, that how the world has changed kind of, you know, in comparison to kind of quote, unquote, back in the day when it was Warren Buffett and, you know, all those people that were building these insane businesses that, you know, are, are so huge now, um, such a, a very different uh, kind of background and experience for some of those people. First of all, a different world, but also what he pointed out as well, that a lot of them do have money from family or all these things that they were able to to use and then had the drive and all that Versus nowadays, where you know we're seeing that even more so that disparity of you know resources versus work ethic and drive versus people who have one or both or you know those types of things. Sure,
0: and that, that made me think of uh, the old joke about a a dog never being free. <laughs> and so even if you think you're starting up a company for a small amount of money, <laughs> there's going to be not? so so much you're going to spend or time and money. Um, just if you're any level of success, it's going to take a lot.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I loved that his point at the end, that like kind of clear eyes, you know, type of phrasing around that, like knowing what you're getting yourself into, or at one point he talked about um, he talked about uh, preparing for possible possible things that could go wrong rather than just, Having to deal with them when they happen, you know, that's something that I work with a lot of clients on. Is that mm. that's actually the true, a true or a definition of optimism that we'd like people to have is that you hope and and think that a better future is possible. but you plan for reality, because that's what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> wow, that was well said.
1: I, I can't. I sorry, it's not my own words. It's from somewhere, but yes, oh. <laughs> thank you. That was a good quote. <laughs> and
0: I'm going to wrap up here but I do want to let people know that as a lifelong ketchup consumer this does it for me and it's no sugar added it's truly all vegetable. So
1: I was going to joke during the episode too and I forgot <laughs> but there he's not a this company isn't a sponsor of ours Kevin <laughs> <Yeah>. just really <laughs> the,
0: <front> <laughs> love the ketchup. Well we coming soon to youtube by the time this airs we might already be there so be on the lookout subscribe there as well plus subscribe where, you're, where you get your podcast thanks everybody the path distilled is hosted by kevin harris and lauren tashman created and produced by kevin harris the content is copyrighted by the path distilled all right reserved